0: Welcome to the Celebration Church Tri-Cities Podcast. We are so grateful that you have chosen to spend part of your day with us. We are praying that God speaks to you through this message from our pastor, Robert Russell. For more information about our church, visit cctri.org. Enjoy the message. What would you ask of Jesus this Easter season? If you could have an audience with him just by yourself, what would you ask of him? Would you ask him to explain a great mystery about how the universe works? Probably not. Would you ask him why the journey has been so hard? Possibly so would you want to know what is he doing that you can't see probably i think all of us would just like to have a little better glimpse or an understanding of what is it that he does in this life for each one of us our faith is genuine We have hope, but we have doubts too, do we not? Where we left the story last night was just at the end of the crucifixion, where Jesus had cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because in that moment, He was experiencing the weight of the world's sin. He came to be the sacrifice, the covering for every sin ever committed. And in that moment, the weight of the world's sin was upon him. Now, he's eternally in union with God the Father. He couldn't be separated from him, but bearing that that weight of the sin of the world Had to be overwhelming because he's fully God, but he's fully man. And as God, his spirit, his soul could not die, but his body would die. That he would be the sacrifice for you and me. Now, if you had been one who had known Jesus, what would have been your thoughts? The one who had known him the longest was his mother, Mary. She was there at the crucifixion. Can you imagine as a mother to witness the death of your child? Some mothers in this group have lost a child, maybe in an accident, maybe from illness, But hopefully no mother here has had to watch her child die a gruesome death. But can you imagine what was in her heart? Or when he cried out aloud, it is finished, I wondered if they thought that meant it's all come to an end, all of our hope, all of our expectation that it's come to naught. That it's over. Or if you had been one of his other family members, one of his half-brothers, who would at times probably doubted him and other times saw the miracles, but then there before you, you watched him die. Or if you'd been Peter or James and John, they'd seen the transfiguration. They had been with Jesus when he had been transformed into a supernatural image. They wanted to stay there in that moment because it was so special. Surely at that point, they thought what's ahead is going to be marvelous and wonderful. In fact, James and John, they said to Jesus, when you come into your kingdom, can we sit at your right and your left? Can we be... Like the vice presidents. They didn't understand his kingdom was not of this world. You see, if you'd been one of those and you'd followed and you came to that point where you saw Jesus die, perhaps all of your hope died. All of your expectations. All of your dreams Now, none of us watched the Savior die, but some of you have watched somebody you love deeply die. You saw sort of the wind go not only out of their body but out of your sails at the same time. That sense of emptiness, being alone, a sense of you have no control a sense of desperation. And that's where they all stood in that moment. Now Jesus had said that he would die and he had alluded to the resurrection but surely nobody understood what he was saying with the possible exception of Lazarus and his sisters who knew that Some things can happen differently when you're around Jesus. But think, too, if you'd been one of the Roman soldiers there. Some of them were appointed executioners. That was their job. At different points in history, different people have had that job, to be an executioner. To them, most of them, this was just another man another criminal, probably didn't affect them emotionally in any significant way to watch him die. They'd seen it before. They were used to it. But at the end of the story we were reading last night, it says that one of the soldiers said, surely this is the Son of God because the sky darkened over, the earth shook. Something different was going on. Even in the heart of a hardened soldier, the Spirit of God could penetrate and say there's something different going on. But most everybody was left right there seeing the body of a man dead who had died after being scourged and beaten. Undoubtedly, it was a gruesome sight. And then, there's a man by the name of Joseph of Arimathea. Not Joseph, the father, or really the stepfather of Jesus. In fact, we don't even know where Joseph, the father, was at that point. The scripture doesn't indicate. Most people assume he must have died. Otherwise, Jesus wouldn't have said something from the cross about taking care of his mother. But this Joseph was a member of the Sanhedrin That is, the ruling religious leaders The ones that Jesus had called a brood of vipers The ones that just the night before had met Had a trial that was really a mock trial And declared him guilty of blasphemy but Joseph of Arimathea was among them. He undoubtedly argued against crucifixion or killing him. Also among the Sanhedrin was Nicodemus. They're the only two that we can be certain of that repented and came to know Christ. Remember, Nicodemus is the one who came to Jesus at night and learned what it would be to be born again. Again. But here Joseph undertakes a very important task. He asked for the body of Jesus. This was no small thing. The body had to be taken down because the Sabbath was about to occur. The Jews didn't want the body left during the Sabbath. And for Joseph to step out and ask for the body of Jesus probably cost him greatly. The scripture doesn't tell us but probably it lost him the position in the Sanhedrin that he had. It probably put him in a camp where he was no longer a rich and wealthy man as he was at this point. But he took the body. Pilate gave him permission to do so. It says that he wrapped it in a linen cloth and placed it in his own tomb, a special tomb that he had had cut into the rock, Now he was a wealthy man in order to afford that type of tomb and for Jesus to be buried there was a fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. And then it says that he rolled, probably with the help of many others, a stone in front of the entrance. And there was Mary Magdalene, often also called Mary Magdala, and the other Mary, probably not Mary his mother, Probably Mary of Bethany. But even there, we're not 100% certain. But he closed the tomb. And what if you were one of those ladies? What if you were Mary Magdalene? Out of whom seven demonic spirits had been delivered. She'd been set free. She'd found a whole new hope in life. She loved Jesus at a deep level. The scripture says He who has been forgiven much loves much. All of us who've walked down a dark path and been forgiven much understand that. Her love for him, her thanksgiving for him was phenomenal. She would just bow at his feet. Her tears would drop upon his feet. But I imagine at this point, Her tears flowed like a river for the one that she'd found hope in was gone. She probably lingered at the tomb. Some people probably couldn't stand to go there. It was too hard. Some people may have gone, but they left as quickly as possible. But she probably lingered there. I've seen that in many funerals. Where some have to go quickly because it hurts too much to stay. But some can't go because it hurts too much to depart. I speculate that Mary was in the latter camp. That she was at a place of wondering if there will ever be hope again. Now of course... Religious leaders thought they had accomplished something. They thought they had gained victory by stopping this Jesus. He was a problem. And they went to Pilate and said, this guy, this schemer, deceiver, said that after three days, he would arise. And they said to Pilate, give the order to the tomb that it would be secured and sealed so that. His disciples couldn't come and steal the body and claim that he had arisen. So Pilate gave the order. Roman soldiers posted there and the seal of the governor or perhaps the seal of Caesar put on the tomb. If anybody violated that, it could cost them their lives. For the soldiers who were appointed there to guard the tomb to fail in their duty might cost them their lives. Yet, if you know the story at the point of the resurrection, the religious leaders then tell the soldiers, go back and, they, well, they gave them a bribe first, but then they said, go and tell them that the disciples of Jesus came and stole his body while you were asleep, which they never would have said because what? For them to have been asleep on their duty would have cost them their lives. But Pilate did this, He acquiesced yet again to the demands of others, had the tomb sealed, put soldiers there to guard it to make absolutely certain that no one could claim anything more special about this Jesus. And so then there was this day Sort of an unknown day, where Jesus has died, nobody sees him, nobody knows. In thinking about that, it made me think of the 23rd Psalm that starts out, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures, he leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul for his name's sake. And it says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For God is with me. His rod and his staff, they comfort me. Do you realize that you and I walk through the valley of the shadow of death all the time? You see, that that season between the crucifixion and the resurrection, to me, that's the valley of the shadow of death. That's where you and I live. Because to come to know Christ and to accept him is an exciting thing. It's a transformative thing. His spirit comes to dwell within you. Certainly, there is change if you've really come to know him. But if you're like me, my expectations about what the Christian life were going to be like were wrong. I I had expectations about things being a lot easier, a lot simpler, actually a lot more worldly, that life in this journey, in this world, would be filled with success and goodness and blessings and all these things, which is true, But it's not the full truth. The full truth is that he makes me to lie down in green pastures some days. He leads me beside the still waters other days. And some days the shadow of death is dark over me and over my life that all of us walk every day in the valley of the shadow of death. Yet we don't live as if death is a reality. It's the nature of humanity. Just observe how people go about doing their lives and all the things they think are important. We don't tend to live with a perspective that death is a reality. Even though it's a shadow away or a breath away. When I was young, like a teenager, I didn't like to be around death at all. I didn't want to be around hospitals, I didn't want to be around funerals, where I'm around them all the time now. And I know very clearly the reason I didn't want to be around them was because it was scary. I didn't contemplate it a lot, but I just, it made me uncomfortable. That death had gotten a little too close and I didn't know how to deal with it and I didn't understand it. Now, you see, there are two ways to live in the valley of the shadow of death one is in denial, and one is in reality. Reality is to know that, yes, it's real, that's what I will face, and I'm going to live life accordingly. The other is to live in denial as if death will never come. That's where I was as a young man. Thinking somehow I can build my own little personal kingdom in this world and that will sustain me forever. But it's impossible. Now, in the valley of the shadow of death, there are a lot of things that test your faith. There are a lot of times when you have doubt, when you feel like people have let you down. Sometimes you feel like God has let you down. When things don't go the way you expect, when you... Believe that God's going to pour out some blessing and instead you go through a season that's very, very difficult. When you go through long, extended seasons of grieving where you feel defeated, when you feel like God is just not speaking to you, that he's silent, there are seasons of life like that where you just don't know. It's like, God, are you there? For me personally, the way I've come to understand that, though, is it's not so much I believe that God is silent. It's when my emotions are so raw that I can't hear. In other words, like if I'm so angry, I can't hear. Or I'm so distraught, I don't hear well. Or I'm so fearful, I don't listen well. Because I think he does want to speak. Some of the times when he has spoken to me, I didn't want to hear what he had to say because it wasn't what I wanted. See, in the valley, there's a lot of darkness and doubt. It would be interesting, easier, if God would let us come into this world, come to the point of encountering him, accepting him, and then just fast forward to the end and you're done. Just sort of skip the day in between, go to the resurrection, it's all good. But I'm convinced that the season in between, just like the day in between for Christ, has eternal importance. You see, it's in that land in between, in the valley of the shadow of death, where you really come to know who He is. You see, there's an enormous difference between knowing about God and actually knowing Him. There are a lot of people who know something about God, but they don't know Him. Do you? You see, in the valley of the shadow of death, when all these things are going on around you that are filled with chaos, that are difficult, that are things that would cause you to be in turmoil and fear and be distraught, it's in those places where you come to know who he is. You see, that day in between for the disciples, for Peter, James, John, Andrew, all of them, for Mary was a very important day. Because they had to fully experience all of the emotions of having lost what they expected in order to understand what they're going to encounter in the resurrection. I'm convinced in this life you have to go through the process of dying to your old self, to being crucified with Christ, losing all of your worldly desires in order to come to understand the glory and majesty of what he has prepared in advance for those who love him. that the valley of the shadow of death is a place where he says, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Do you realize that all of the people who witnessed the crucifixion would have known the 23rd Psalm? They didn't have the New Testament yet. They would write it. But they had the Old Testament. They probably knew the 23rd Psalm as well as perhaps many here do. They probably knew the 22nd Psalm too. Maybe they realized what was there was what was fulfilled in the cross. Maybe Mary Magdalene, when she was at the foot of the cross, was thinking... You're still with me. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. See, God does sustain us, does he not, day in and day out, through all the ups and downs, the valleys, the darkness, the difficulty, but it's in that season that you really come to know him. It can be a difficult place, But a very, very good place. See, Jesus came for very specific purposes. In Hebrews, it says, Since the children have flesh and blood, that is, you and I, that he too shared in our humanity, so that by his death he might destroy him who has the power of death, that is the devil, that none of us could understand all of the reasons for the incarnation, but part of it was so that you and I could identify with him because he identified with us, that he took the form of a man. The scripture says he was tempted in every way but without sin, that he saw all of the evil of humanity that you and I encounter, and yet, He so loved the world, he was willing to die for a wretch like me. That he would break the power, the hold of death over any person that Satan has. Those who live all of their lives that were held in slavery by the fear of death. That when you really know him, and the more you get to know him, the less death is intimidating, the less fear it presents. This is why I say that you're not prepared to live until you're prepared to die. But once that fear of death is broken, you're free to live. For this reason, the scripture says, he had to be made like his brothers in every way. In other words, he had to be made in the form of a man that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. That only by that process, by the shedding of blood, the scripture says, apart from the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins, no remission of sins. And blood in all of the scripture represents life, the most valuable blood was that of Christ. Shed for each one of us. But part of that purpose was not just for salvation. And it wasn't just for the resurrection hope it's for the land in between when you're walking in the valley of the shadow of death. That's why when I started this, I said, if you could ask Jesus a question, what would you ask him? I dare say for most people here, it would be because of something of walking in the shadow of death, the difficulties, the hard things in life. So here's my question again. Where are you in your journey? Do you feel defeated? Are you angry? Confused? Filled with grief? Do you have doubt? Where are you? You see, that's where all of the disciples were. All of them had to be there. I'm sure none of them were dancing around excited about what was yet to come. If they had known, but they couldn't know yet. See, where are you in your journey? Now, here's what I'm convinced of that God always wants to meet you wherever you are, that he's always in the business of transforming you to make you more like him, that he always wants to pour his life into you, pour his spirit into you more and more and more in greater measure in order that his life would be poured out through you each and every day. The only way that occurs, though, is as we die to our old self, and arise in him. See, every Christian has to go through their own personal crucifixion, their own personal season of doubt and wondering in order to experience the resurrection power of Christ. I'm convinced God wants to do a new and fresh thing in the life of every person in this room. It's his nature. He's always doing something new every day. He wants to heal your heart where it's broken, meet you where you are if you are struggling. He wants to give you hope to overcome your doubts, to give you strength to persevere. To give you power to fulfill his mission for you. That even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you would fear no evil. That surely his goodness and mercy will be with you every day of your life. Let's pray. Lord, you know every heart in this room. And I pray that this evening your spirit would overwhelmingly touch each of our souls. That no fear would have authority here, no religious spirit, but only your Holy Spirit that we would come running to you like little children. That we would find freedom in you and you alone. Amen. We hope that you enjoyed this podcast and that it blessed you in some way. Don't forget to visit our website at cctri.org. And make sure that you send us your prayer requests at office at cctri.org. We pray that the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him.